Welcome to Square in the Circle, the podcast where I chat to creative business owners about how they balance the art and the business. For episode 29, we're continuing the collaboration with the Creative Collective. Some of you may or may not know that myself and voiceover artist Martin Wiskin run the Creative Collective, which is a networking group for creative businesses. In 2023, and as an addition to the main group, we've launched a peer-to-peer mastermind group. And here it is as a podcast. In this group, we have Shelley Tahiri from Shelley at the Mic, Dennis Lewis from Wise on Words, Michael Colton from Black Lab Music, Flea from Parker Boots Photography, voiceover artist Sean Anthony, business videographer Alex Durham, voiceover artist Simon Wells, content writer Nathan Locke, and actor Nick Field. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Good to see everybody on a uh, Thursday, Thursday evening. Um, Dennis, just quickly, what time is it where you are in Canada? Just gone two o'clock in the afternoon. Beautiful. Dennis has got it right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So for everybody else, it'll be an evening pickup. For Dennis, it'll be a late lunch pickup. So there we go. Um, We're going to, you've been briefed with a question, so we're going to get, we're going to get on with that um i had to write it down because it's a complete tongue twister for me so if i get this wrong a couple of times um forgive me but the one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you started the business well done i got it right okay who wants to go first when you sent that question i went i wished i'd known that there was people out there to help you like you know Obviously, I come from a completely different background working in education. I hadn't been a business owner. And I had ideas of, obviously, I knew what I wanted to do. And I'd been brainstorming names. And I did reach out to a few people for help on that matter. But I didn't realize that there were people out there who have a whole business on creating your brand and that kind of thing. So I wished I'd done a bit more homework beforehand. Not that I feel like I've wasted time or anything like that I feel like I've made nice steady steps to get where I am now but I wished I'd known that there were those kinds of people out there previously well, that's a great that's a great start <laughs> um and um you, you know when you've done a really good answer because you just see the room kind of nodding in agreement um, <laughs> well done Shelley. um that's a that's a really nice way to start Dennis you were um, quite close to beating Shelley so do you want to go next yeah, sure. Um, I I certainly agree with Shelley. Uh, definitely uh, feel a lot of overlap there. Um, my answer to this uh, would be, I wish that I had a clearer picture of what my particular niche uh, was at the time, right? Um, it's taken me a number of years to actually figure out exactly what I, I can offer, right? Um, when I first started, I was all over the place. Um, uh, you know, like um, I think part of that was a function of the fact that uh, over the years I've done so many different types of jobs, and so I didn't really know what my particular skill set um, was. Right, that could be actually marketable and of use to people. That would be my answer. Yeah, but that's that's something that comes up constantly when you're speaking to self-employed business owners to niche or not to niche in fact when we've gone around the room let's um come back to that question yeah thank you dennis 
and thank you for that for the next question michael you you've just taken yourself off mute so i'm 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 taking that as a sign yeah i, I misclicked sorry <laughs> i'll put myself back on mute i'm still looking for the how to raise my hand function on zoom hence i'm clicking everything but as as i have the mic so to speak um the one thing that uh, that i thought um, that I would have liked to have known is I'd have liked to have understood the market better in that you kind of know the market before you come into it but actually it's not until you're in it that you actually really get to find out what the marketplace actually is. I just wonder if uh, Michael you could um, kind of specify what you mean by the market the market as it pertains to your particular industry or yeah, yeah, absolutely. In that um, when we start off in business, we, you know, we do our market research and we think we know what the marketplace is um, and we think we know what our products are when we are going to offer into that marketplace. But it's not until we actually, you know, the rubber hits the road, so to speak, that you start offering that product into the marketplace that you theoretically understand that actually the two actually collide and you realize actually that your understanding of the marketplace is slightly different from the reality of it. And consequently, your offering to the marketplace also needs to be slightly different. It's that old analogy um, of some war general somewhere, which is no plan survives contact with the enemy. We all have a plan. We all know what we're going to do, but it doesn't actually survive any contact with the enemy once you start doing it in practice. So not that my customers are the enemy, but the analogy is the same. I would just like to put that out there for any of my customers that are listening. Um, so, so yeah, that was all in that it's a little bit like um, being a freelancer, being an entrepreneur, starting a business uh, is a little bit like um, jumping off a building and learning how to build an aeroplane on the way down um, sometimes. And, uh, and it's that sort of analogy uh, that I'm referring to about the market. Mm, I love that. The other, um, the other saying is, I think it was Mike Tyson that said, "Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face." Yeah, um, and it's and it's the same kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, I just uh, it's funny. I just put that quote in the in a chat. Ah, chair. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Into it. Okay. Seamless, you see, Beautiful. seamless link. Beautiful. That's how connected we all are. Oh, that is yeah. that is spooky, isn't it? Um, okay. Thank you, Michael. Let's, uh, Flea has got a digital hand up, so let's go to Flea. That's quite exciting. That's the first time I've used my digital hand. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had one idea, but I've switched, actually. So I think I wish I had invested more, like, much, much sooner. So that might be in networking or, I don't know, any sort of anything, really, that would have helped. I, I suppose that ties in with Shelley a bit about look, seeking help or knowing that people are out there to help. But yeah, definitely investing more sooner, I think, because I was always very resistant to that. That that ties into what Martin was saying last session about um, investing in training, essentially, mm. um, and how beneficial that has been. So Martin, over to you, I suppose. I did invest at the beginning in, in like training specifically, with like a, a voiceover training school that I'm sure the others in here know very well. Um, but I, I kind of left it behind because I, I felt it was stopping me sort of getting out there on my own because I was very, very reliant on this training school and I just fell back to that every single time. Um, so I stopped that. But then over the next year or so, I got into some 
bad habits of of working and then realized luckily realized that i was sort of plateauing um you know on every part of my business i thought well it's time then simon's here now it's time then to uh reinvest so i i I got some one-to-one training instead and that was really 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 beneficial and i would highly recommend it good stuff all right um thank you for investment that's yeah that's the thing is that all these all these subjects can be things that we can take a deeper dive into for for future sessions so that's really good i think that's a key one um sean digital hand raised over to you mate excellent um yeah my my one um actually i was saying earlier on as well is uh well i wish i'd known <clears throat> earlier that um your value is not determined by your clients um in in which is when you first start out your confidence is just at rock bottom because you don't know what you don't know um and so i feel like any person the the first person that you get hold of or the first couple that you do you do feel very you don't feel confident you're worried that you're you're doing the wrong thing you're doing and you don't know what yeah and and so you're relying entirely on your client to say yeah that was a good job but even in in the back of your head because you're still getting your confidence and you're still learning you're not looking at yourself objectively you're waiting for other people to tell you and i think it's more of a you, you, yeah just find your objectivity a bit earlier maybe and uh just sort of know your value know the quality that you can put out independently does anybody think you can fast forward that um i was just going to say it can be hard at the beginning to do that in some ways because you want the work you know, and you want to start building a portfolio, especially with yeah. with voiceover, I think. By having a social presence, knowing other voiceover artists and other creatives is really what's brought, well, I don't know about you guys, but brought my confidence up as well. Um, talking to you guys and seeing what you guys produce as well, it sort of has, it, it gives you confidence in your own stuff because you're like, well, actually, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm... Uh, I've I've found people that are like me and we're all similar kind of thing as well. Mm. So, but all yeah. Going th- all going through the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I t- I t- we've got digital hands everywhere now, which is amazing. Alex hasn't spoken yet. So we'll go Alex, then Michael, and then Shelley. Hello. Um, so I've got kind of multiple things, but leading directly onto what Sean just said is, um, uh, yeah knowing that I am good at my job um because I I was very much because the the whole world of videography is very different in many different media levels there is at no point is there any time that I'm looking at someone else's job and oh they're so much better than me so actually I am good at my job it's just in a certain ways that I'm doing my job that it's good so actually understanding that I was good at my job to start off with rather than consistently being like oh there's a oh that video is so much better than the stuff that I do it's like well the stuff that you were doing it wasn't that anyway so why are you comparing yourself to um, an Asda advert when you're (laughs) you're doing something like that so that was one kind of major thing um one thing I then learned was done is better than perfect 
in a sense of actually getting something out there or sending something to a client rather than being OCD about absolutely everything and panicking. Sometimes you've just got to go, right, that just needs to go. So a lot of my social media posts is, is like the shadow masters. I could have done a whole load different with um the set and stuff like that I could have been so much more complicated about that but actually no done's better than perfect I want to get this content out I want to be seen so rather than being really stringent about that um yeah and then the final one is not panicking about my age so when I started networking I was 22 and I'm still the youngest person with their own business in my face-to-face -face networking groups um in th after three years so back then the first like two years I was like everybody looks at me as a baby like nobody trusts me because I've just come straight out of university doing this whereas actually a lot of people weren't thinking like that they were actually more impressed about the fact that I'd done it um they just weren't vocal about it until they started to work with me so those are kind of the the three things of knowing that I was good at my job done is better than perfect and I'm not too young great great three Love that. Um, again, loads of stuff that we can come back on a bit later once once we've heard from everybody. Um, Michael, we will come to you. But um, Simon, you came in a couple of minutes late. Um, the did you get? Do you know the question? Um, as a summary, guessing from other people's conversations, I'm guessing is what do you wish you had learnt sooner? Yeah, back when you first started, basically. Back when you first started. Yeah. Um, Actually, slightly contrary to what a few people have said um, about, you know, sort of being more confident in yourself and, and, and so on. I wish, in some respects, I wish I'd been slightly less confident in myself to the point that I kind of, I hunkered down in my, in my booth and I did my demo reels and I absorbed all of this online content as, as to how to do my job, but I didn't share it with anyone i didn't um show it to anyone i didn't get a mentor i didn't get a voice coach i didn't i just sort of kept it to myself until i thought it was ready to go and then by the time i got it ready to go it turned out it wasn't actually as, as some of it wasn't as good as i thought it was and what could have really helped me would actually have been sharing it with a few people who have been in the business a bit longer than me who might know a thing or two more than me um and that that might have actually saved myself a little bit of time because I went through this whole process of re recording my first lot of demo reels, which I thought were really good. Um, you know, sort of bearing in mind my background, that I don't come from any kind of creative background whatsoever. So for me, it was like, wow, this is awesome. And then I kind of played them to a few people and they went, it's a good start. Oh, okay. So, okay. So they weren't, they weren't perfect. And I had to go back and redo a few things. Um, if I'd just been a bit more open about it, if I'd been a little bit less, um, this is mine, I'm I'm precious about this, then maybe I might have saved myself a few miles along the way. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's overconfident, though. I think that's just being a bit naive. Yeah. Yeah, possibly possibly that. Mm. Mm. Just inexperienced and, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Mar Martin. The thing that Simon said about um, the that this is mine sort of feeling that kind of links into one of the things that I wish I'd have realised sooner, and that is that although yes, the business is all yours, you don't have to do it all by yourself. Um, mm. And it took me a long time to realise outsourcing is an option. Um, but as soon as I did, wow, it's amazing. And I wish I'd have sort of come round to that way of thinking sooner. And 
it was very much what Simon said. It was, no, this everything is mine in this business. I've done everything from day one. I don't want anyone to touch it. What if they ruin it? But actually, if you find the right person, they won't ruin it. They will make it better because you can't be an expert at everything. Mm. Mm. Okay, so for, the, for I think for in terms of the first round, we haven't had uh, Nick and we haven't had Nathan, and then we'll um, just see where the conversation goes after that. So who wants a Nathan? Digital hand is up. Um, over to you, sir. All the good ones have been taken now. <laughs> but I find it's more of a personal one, this for me, but I found that, especially with networking, I think a lot of people still need to learn that you can be informal and professional. So I think so many people, and I definitely did at the very start, was thinking, oh, you've got to be very sharply dressed. You've got to be a bit of a smooth talker sort of thing in networking events when you just need to talk to people. And that goes so much further. I must have wasted a few months at the very start trying to be something I wasn't when I should have just been a bit more laid back and just relax and enjoy it, really. And I think people respect that a lot more. Well, it's, it's that horrible word that's overused, but it's true. It's authenticity, isn't it? It was the um, last meeting we had, actually. Michael was talking about the uh, the go-giver, um, and that was a big that was i think it was rule number two uh was authenticity and it's definitely something that i've only just started exploring more is yeah some people that's them themselves is being a suit they want to to, to be presented as sort of smart and business-like but you can't give your true self unless you just give in and be as authentic as you can and not everyone is a business suit and all professional all the time some people want to just drop jokes and have a chat with people and at the end of the day people buy people so if you're comfortable with someone then yeah sorry nathan i just took over that point but yeah i wanted to say how much i agreed you've got a much nicer voice than me so go for it (laughs) (laughs) more than happy to pass it on to the experts (laughs) oh nick i think we 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 haven't heard from you nick mine would be Keep practicing and keep learning. Be a lifelong learner. What does that look like in you in your day to day life or business? Because I know you've got you do numerous things, don't you? So, what does that look like for you? Um, I I suppose in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm looking at uh, I I probably need to look at more more kinds of of scripts. That, and I, I look back and think if I was to give advice to myself when I was starting out, it would be. Um, download more scripts and practice more i think that that would have been something because i think to an extent i rushed into a lot of stuff um because um which is probably why now i have this big studio that doesn't quite work properly and uh and an original demo that i really cringe when i hear it and it was professionally produced and everything um so yeah you know i i think it's just kind of like keep it's so yeah i would i would whenever people ask me about getting into voiceover and things like that then i'll say to them you know download some stuff and keep practicing i mean it works in something like acting as well you know it's good to it's you know it's a lot of people it's big it might be a good idea to you know um you know um video yourself um doing self-taping and stuff i mean self-taping is a huge thing in the acting industry we we have to do tons of it now um so I think it's just more kind of like familiarizing yourself with um, with with doing that so it doesn't just sound like you're just reading stuff off a page. So I think that's something I need to 
learn more about. Just before we go on, anybody got anything else that they want to share? Uh, Alex, over to you. Um, there, it's just a very slightly different point of actually learning how to productize myself quicker. So the first like year, two years of being a videographer, I didn't realize that people didn't understand what videos are or what they could do or how they need them or where they could have them or what ideas they could have. I could go on and on and on. So actually being able to productize and create packages and stuff like that for people um, has really helped my business accelerate um, in the sense of someone go, I know I need videos, but I don't know what. And I literally go, ah, oh, here's this bundle that'll be perfect for you to start off with. Or this is an idea that uh, someone in your industry has gone for. Why don't you do that? Um, and then that way it's easier to sell, get them the video to see how it works. And if they want something more complicated down the line, they can then have a proposal done. Um, but it helps people kind of learn and understand what certain creatives can do. So actually, yeah, productizing was a massive jump for me. And it's now allowed me to create collaboration projects with lots of people. So now I've got loads of people that I can use to continue those services on, um, which is nice. Always, always nice. Collaboration. Uh, not competition. Have you ever heard of that before? Um, so... Uh, thank you, everybody. Who wants to dive in on the prickly subject of niching or not niching? Um, God, blimey, Sean's right up there. Um, Sean did a digital hand, a physical hand. He's so keen. Um, so, yeah, Sean, on you go. And then whoever wants to come in after that, we'll, we'll just go wherever. Um, well, it's something that's quite interesting because I have always had trouble niching down i always want to go oh i'll give that a go i'll do that i can do that and i find i enjoy being able to do other things and being able to to put yourself in a different mindset for each separate project and um there is someone um that actually who who talks about this um his name is jake i can't remember his second name um but he's on tiktok and he's uh, i think it's under the handle jake creative hackers or something like that and he talks about multi-potentialites uh and they're a different type of a person who believes that or not believes but they feel more comfortable spinning multiple plates instead of in, instead of just focusing on that one thing and when they see other people focusing on that one thing they're like well why why can't i do that i need to do 101 other things and it, it's just a very interesting mindset to 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 have and uh, a possibility that opens up as well i suppose i was just thinking though about niching and when we were talking about your own sort of creative de development within your own field and if you yeah i think it's great to have something that is you're the go-to for like i i know a voiceover who's perfect for this or a voiceover that's perfect for that or whatever field it is you're in but if you don't allow yourself to kind of try other stuff you may be limiting are you limiting yourself so it's great to be able to have a niche but also not to restrict yourself on following other dreams or things that you're you never thought were possible but actually as you grow and develop you you go into other areas if yeah. that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Michael, you had your hand up as well. Yeah, this might be controversial, um, but I actually think niche is a bit of an overused buzzword. 
it's something on, that we go on. <laughs> it it's something that gets banded around all the time and no i don't mean this is a criticism to anybody in this room but i don't think people really understand it and i include myself in that in that we're told to niche 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 and wherever you go it's all about getting smaller and more refined but actually what we're talking about here is understanding the marketplace for your goods and your services and focusing on that marketplace and delivering a solution to that marketplace. That marketplace could be incredibly wide and diverse if that is what you offer. It could also be selling one single product to a very, very small group of people. But I think your niche comes down to your smallest viable product to actually make a living. Uh, and actually run a company. Um, so to put my example, for example, you know, I, I, I market myself a lot as a, as a composer for music for the media. Well, my niche is composing music for use within video, film, podcast, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. But I also run a music production company and with that becomes all sorts of other services as well. Um, so not only do I compose music for use within the media, I do audio restoration, I do vocal production, I do all sorts of other little things as well, which actually are within the niche of audio, but actually it's serving a wider marketplace and a different product. And Alex, you were talking about productizing yourself. And I think that is a really, really good description of what we need to do in our niche, which is identify what our products are, identify what our customers are for that product and connect to the two. I think that is niche, not necessarily just getting smaller and smaller and smaller and more focused into a smaller pool of people. Because ultimately, if you go too small, then you won't pay the gas bill. Mm. Um, Michael, as always, a sage. Um, so we've got loads of hands up, but I think I've got the right order. Well, so be, Alex... Being a sage, I've, I've now got to work out how to lower my hand, having found out how to raise it. Let's keep it up. Um, so we'll go in, in the order I think the hands were. So we'll go Alex and then uh, Nathan, Flea, Dennis, I think. Um, if that was wrong, um, sort out amongst yourselves. But we'll go Alex first and then uh, and then Nathan. Yeah, following on near enough directly from that, I personally do not niche what I can create and what I provide. I niche who I provide it to. So I market um, myself my, my two main markets that I look at is hospitality and education. Um, and because I market that online, that's who I want to sell to. Ideally, that's who my bread and butter are. Therefore, my content is designed to reach people and connect with people like that. Then I will then get messages from people going, oh, can you make this for me? And I'm like, yeah, of course I can. So I can provide a multitude of services. Um, my aim, like my five, 10 year plan, I haven't quite worked out if it's gonna be five or 10 yet, but I want to be able to provide every single type of video service there is and have freelancers that do every type of videos there are. So that's that's kind of like how I niche. So, I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll swap my quarterly marketing to then market towards IT service companies, or I'll swap the marketing to niche towards a different target market. So it's who I'm targeting, not what I can supply. Perfect. That's great. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Nathan, I think we're going to you first. 
Yeah, just building off what Michael said about no one really knows what a niche is because in the content world, niche can mean a lot of different things. My niche could be writing about a specific topic, say the car industry for multiple different clients and making a living off that. But niche could also be writing for small businesses or even writing in a certain style. Like I say, I've got a very um, natural tone of voice in my writing. So I could say that's a niche. That's just because that's what I do and that's what people like me to do. So I think it really depends how you want to define it, really. But I think as well, if you go the topic route, so many copywriters are perfectly happy just to write about the same thing because it's what they're passionate about. Whereas me, I'm always looking for what's the next subject I can dive into and learn about. And I think that widens my horizons a little bit, but it also makes the job a bit trickier. So I think there's definitely a balancing act where it's probably different for everyone, I think. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, it's great today because we've got such a, a range of um, industries in the room, which means everybody's putting their different spin on it, which is great. But Nathan, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so let's go Flea now and then Dennis. Yeah, I, I think this sort of follows on from what Alex was saying. I, I thought what Alex was saying, that's spot on. That's just that's so interesting. You, well, you seem to have it completely together. I'd <laughs> sorted. Um, but I think the my ideas of niche have, have always come from sort of marketeers. So when I've done marketing courses and things in the past, that's when I first learned about niche. And it, it was what Alex was saying, really, is that it's all about your, you know, avatar or your ideal client. So you need to sort of get a very clear picture of who they are and then you can reach them. So your style of writing, everything you do is is writing to that ideal client um i don't i don't think i've mastered that yet but it's um that that's where my eyes always come from i think marketing so um yeah i think that i don't know again i could be the minority here but i know well i'm pretty sure that if i had niched down so perfectly that i was working with the same people all the time or doing the same thing all the time it would just be, it become like a factory where, you know, you punch in, you punch out because you would get into those modes of editing the same way if you're, you're in my game or, you know, writing in the same way uh, if you're, you know, Dennis or, or Nathan. Um, so, yeah, I don't, it doesn't hold too much appeal to me personally to really know exactly who you're targeting because that's half the fun is a variety, but, you know, that's, that's just me. Um Dennis, over to you. Uh, yes, um, I'd just like to pick up on what Michael was saying. I, I actually definitely agree with what he was saying about uh, the, the um, cautioning us about um, against um, kind of niching down to such an extent that we limit what we can do or limit uh, possibilities that are open to us. I think when I was using that term, maybe I was using it incorrectly, I was actually trying to identify something internal rather than external and trying to match that thing that is within me or internal with what is outside uh, the market. Uh, for me, it was about when I was using the term niche, uh, figuring out what my niche is, um, I was trying to identify exactly what I have to offer. Um, 
um, to others that is of value, right? So that's basically how I was using it, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, have you have you worked that out yet? <laughs> no, not really. Have you not? No. But no, no, I, no. Actually, I I have, but um, I I, yeah. I realized that probably came across as incredibly rude. I didn't mean it like that. I just <laughs> meant I simply meant is like, have you gone through a process and have you, you know, is it sort of fixing your own mind what what you do offer to people? Yeah, um, it is. It has certainly become a lot clearer over the last year or so. But um, it's uh, part of that uh, process. Um, um, has been kind of like trying to sort of understand um, what uh, my ideal customer uh, would look like and uh, the the type of projects they would um, like to kind of accomplish that sort of thing. But like I said before, I'm I'm still kind of refining it um, and still getting a better understanding of what it is that I'm offering. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael. I was just going to link it back to um, what I said I would have liked to have known uh, before I started out in business, which is understanding the market better. And understanding the market um, allows to identify who your ideal client is. And the more you understand the market, the more you can identify your ideal client, which is the more you can understand the market, which is more you can identify the ideal client. And I think it is this cyclical thing. And I hear... Uh, um, Dennis, you're, you're not alone in, in saying that, you know, don't quite understand who my ideal client is or refining that. I don't think in all the businesses and business owners that I speak to, um, I don't think anybody has really identified completely and utterly 100% who their ideal client is yet. Because going back to where we were, you know, 40 minutes ago, nothing survives contact Um you know, no plan survives contact in that you start doing something with your ideal client, which leads off at a tangent to, oh, actually, there is something else there um, as well um, for it. So I think it is a, a constant learning process and refining process as to who is your ideal client, who is your avatar or whatever management buzzword we want to call it. Um, who are we actually selling stuff to um, in reality? Um uh, for it and I think that is a constant journey um, and likewise Alex was saying around um, you know bringing the other, other products online and, and productizing obviously all of those have a different type of potential client as well I mean Alex I, I, if I can ask a question saying that you you're focusing on schools and uh, hospitality wasn't it so if um, a public sector client Come, or if, if a private client came along that wasn't in that would you turn them down or would you take it and I and I, I know the answer to that you know and that's, <laughs> that's the whole point around niching isn't it we say this is our ideal client but actually I'll do anything <laughs> you know as well I'll take any client that comes along um, but whilst we are niching down and, and, and focusing so I think our our yes and our no sometimes get blurred when it comes around our ideal client and that was a bit rambly. Sorry. No, 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 not not at all. Um, I yeah, I don't think that. I, I think something that I found as well is if you're getting referrals from other people, customers who know nothing about your industry will just see me as a photographer who can photograph, or a videographer who can video. Like they're not, um, or if they know nothing about um, Simon, they'll think voiceover artist he can do it 
because that's what they because that's what they do so maybe you can kind of overthink it because we're giving the the sort of the lay person too much credit for knowing exactly what we do anyway so um yeah interesting so i'm just aware of uh time um so i think if we we'll, we've got a few more minutes just on this section has anybody got anything else um, alex you had your hand up nathan you also had your hand up so if we go alex and then nathan um, and then we'll see who wants to speak after that. And then we'll go into the accountability exercises for the month. Um, and for the new people, I'll go through that. So don't 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 worry too much. All right, uh, Alex. Yeah, just tying up on the whole niche thing, I guess. I guess it's um, just split it into two of it's your target and your objective. So you've got your business objective of what would you like to do in your business? So that is one niche. And then you've then got your target market. Who do you want to approach? Who do you want to be working with? So, and then they then both then connect into the two. So I think it's really helpful to be able to tell people your niche or your target or your objective, because then that way it's easier to refer. Um, so, it's a lot easier like in networking and stuff if you have the exact thing that you're looking for or the exact thing that you do it's so much easier for people to just remember you for that um i purposely have a networking book that if someone is asking for a specific industry person company i write that down and i flick back through my networking book probably once a month and if i've reconnected with anyone from that industry um, I've got the person's name next to it and then what they were looking for. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, I can now introduce Ben to Joe because that's what he was looking for a couple of months ago. And I've just got a new contact. So it's kind of that really, really helps of having the the target market and then business objective are your two niches. And if you want to go super niche, you combine the two. I'm looking for IT companies that want to stop motion animation. Right. That's extremely niche. But then you just bring it then back a stage of I'm looking to do stop motion animation. I'm looking for IT companies. So it's, yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that. That makes perfect sense. Uh, you're so organized, Alex. Um, right, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, just a quick little thing to round it up, which is, yeah, the whole ideal client thing. So I think for me, I, can, I can't imagine an ideal client. I can imagine a very good client. And I've got a few at the moment that are great to work with, but I can definitely imagine the ideal job, which would be the like a, a writing project that is the combination of a topic I'm really interested about, uh, kind of a, like a low-pressure style, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I feel like the perfect job could come from the not-so-perfect client. And also you could have a brilliant client give you a job that isn't ideal. So I think... I'm not sure if there is a best of both worlds um, sort of thing, but I think just good on both sides would be very nice. Just yeah, absolutely. a lot easier. <laughs> um, excellent. Well, look, how's that for time? 45 minutes in and there's nine of us, uh, well, 11 of us in the room. So that's awesome. So thank you, everybody. That was great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Squaring the Circle. If you run a creative business and want to come along to the Creative Collective, I'll leave a link in the show notes. And the first three visits are totally free.